the Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Kradak on assignment momentarily. Then he'll be joining us as we get going here till a little bit after nine. Uh, we are four minutes late this morning. That's okay. So we're on time. Game time is on time. You're welcome to join us in the stream. Tell a friend. Subscribe to Hale Varsity YouTube channel. That's where you can catch us every Saturday morning. Give us a follow on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Can watch live on KFOR Facebook and KFOR Twitter. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio for me as we get moving. Big weekend this weekend. They're all big, Elijah. You've got uh, an important Basketball game for Nebraska today at Maryland. That tips off at 11. You've got an important junior weekend for Big Red football. And, yeah, you have some NFL action with the Chiefs and Ravens, Lions and Niners, and then uh, just kind of set the table for February. That's already next week Is Nebraska going to continue doing their thing on the recruiting trail as uh, they lead up to spring football, baseball. Had their presser yesterday as we're not far away from Will Bolt and company taking the field. Excited about that. But Nebraska basketball on our mind, recruiting kind of front and center. And last night I had a chance to do the the Lincoln East Southwest game locally in Lincoln. And first and foremost, anytime those two teams touch gloves, it's it's a good ball game. It, It came down to the wire. It was great. And what's really cool is just the energy in that building where it is elbow to elbow. It is packed. It's always packed. And it's just such a a great atmosphere, a fantastic Friday night. And uh, guess who was there? It was Garrett McGuire. It was um, uh, Easy Ed Foley. They were there to check out and spend some time with Jackson Carpenter as they've uh, really been uh, following his career tremendous athlete for southwest great wide receiver nice uh, ball player for southwest basketball and uh, carpenter got the uh, the visit treatment last night and of course uh, they just all sorts of smiles and nebraska it was cool to watch mcguire and, and foley but just kind of be involved with the crowd not only the people coming up to him but they were seeking some folks out too, uh, maybe a relative or somebody's grandparent uh, to go kind of meet and greet and shake hands. I mean, they were the uh, they were the uh, not the main attraction. Of course, the players on the court were the main attraction, but Nebraska doing work in state, and we kind of highlighted that earlier this week on the Average Joe Pod. We welcome in Mark Cranach, aka your business's MVP. <laughs> That's why I was late, actually. I'm trying to come up with different stuff every week. You were closing the deal? Week. You were closing <laughs> well, the deal. <laughs> I, just, I was trying to come up with something, you know? I was just I love like, oh, that. I love I that. Kind of put this inadvertent pressure on myself to come up with a new thing every week now. So, you know. They're pretty good. Late, 
Well, they're always fantastic. I'm just imagining well, Mark at traveling journalists, sometimes journalists. How about Mark it, though, just sitting at his computer screen at 7:40 in the morning, knowing we're about to start, and going, "Ooh, I have to have a better one than last week." Though writer's block. I know. <laughs> you get writer's block. But but the reason for today is AKA your business is MVP. Let, let's talk about how we can grow your business out there, folks. Okay. Let's and first a word by Mark yeah. Cranach, not recruiting, not basketball. First a word from Mark Cranach. <laughs> right. Well, I sure love insert company here. Wow. They have really changed everything. Imagine that. Imagine like that could have been your company. You know, I just wonder if there's certain coffee companies that are out there watching, you know. I wonder if they're out there watching. <laughs> this is you a takeoff on, on Wayne's world where there is a whole eight minutes of the film dedicated to product placement. Boy, boy, this would rotate a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> this would rotate a lot less if, uh, you know, for the right price. They got the white, but, white cups up in Omaha, though? Was the, yeah, was, I mean, well, I'd love to talk to you more about it, but... Are, are you or do you also have that oh my god this mallory this maddox mallory maddox are you listening are you watching that's the cmo no she just got a promotion like cso or something like she, look at look strategy at you officer we can't business get, insider because they got the here. new ceo that's like all right we're gonna make all black coffee no matter what size one dollar yeah sign me up yeah I appreciate you yeah man. that was a good move good move for and you think- and another good move for you would be buying advertising through hail varsity radio and if you're not paying attention we're not going to drop the uh or sorry if you're not paying attention via the live video stream we're not going to drop the uh, the company name for you so if you're listening in podcast form and you're confused you're going to have to check out the video let's the just hail say varsity it rhymes with hooters and it's coffee <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Well, you absolutely got my plug for the video. I was going to get people over to the YouTube channel and, and bump up our numbers there, but no longer. Uh, well, well done with the the word association, Cranac. If it's going to make anyone drive traffic to the video, you say that word. Hooters. Well, <laughs> that was the plan. If you combine yeah. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranac, and Hooters, people are going to run. Not ours. They don't put in their two weeks. All the not ours. Not ours. <laughs> Let's get to roll call this morning. Who's in the stream early with us and Brandon beat us all here. Brandon, kudos to you. Uh, Patrick checks in second. Eric in third. Uh, Drunk Monk in at four. Moonbot five. And uh, we always shout out a few off the, the bench. Tuck is at six. Dion seven. And no way am I saying Tuck and Dion are you bench folks. I'm saying if we're in that five to seven man rotation a la basketball season. Where we away we go? We need the football season. We just got to do our starting eleven, right? Yeah, well, exactly. And then, like, yeah, I don't want Tuck and Dion to just be like all of a sudden be surprised about their role today, right? Off the bench, right? Uh, <laughs> Tuck, you are to uh, to rebound and defend. Uh, Dion, I need you to hit threes, a la Wiltshire style. Steven Nichols also checking in. So uh, appreciate y'all of you and, and remember, for guys- uh, finding us this morning. It's, this is similar to, to C.J. Wiltshire, his role with the Husker basketball. It's not about being the first on the floor. Are you going to be the last on the floor? Does that coach trust you? Do we, the coaches, trust you in the last five minutes of a game? If you're out there, it means more, a hell of a lot more, I'd argue, than, than the first five minutes. So, so that's, mm. uh, that's something to note if you're not in the starting five. You, you, you mm. can be that key player off the bench that earns those minutes down the stretch. 
Stephen disputes uh, when he was tagged. It was in here first, but the link wasn't up yet. <laughs> Probably not. It's okay. Yeah, it's yeah okay. we can't we can't verify that, Stephen. Sorry. Just... I will I will take your word at it though. So let's talk a little bit here. We had fun this week, kind of following the Harbaugh story with Nebraska uh, and where they are, where their pecking order is in the Big Ten. And you've got this this seat at the top held by Michigan. They just won a national championship. They're going yep. through some transition. And who's poised to either keep that power? Michigan, who's po- poised to uh, kind of sit on the throne now. Not Elvis style, mind you. But um, Ohio State seems to be sliding in, or at least they're doing everything in their power. This is their window. They've always kind of been in the on-deck circle. They've not been able to topple Michigan the last three years. But what was interesting about Michigan was the nine-year kind of saga of Harbaugh, right? The trajectory of where Michigan was. He came in. They weren't doing what they're supposed to do, and, and that's compete for the Big Ten title. But they they did in short order. Then they kind of fell off, especially that COVID year. And he, he revamped, he retooled, and he went from running the spread to this three tight end, incredible offensive and defensive line uh, priority. And then they just mashed people. They had play action. They had great skill. But they were great on the lines of scrimmage. He kind of got back to old school football, and that's how he got down. I, I want to kind of liken Nebraska's trajectory right now, just under year one of, of Matt Rule and – you know, Michigan was a bit of a roller coaster till he stabilized with recruiting and less attrition. He had a really good class in 2021. He had a really good class in 2020. And he had some famous, flashy, you know, living room, shirtless wrestling, five-star gets early in his career. And those are some of the same kids. Yeah, they're in the NFL. Yeah, they have a role. But they're also some kids who opted out of bowl games, right? Because his bowl record was horrible till this year. So I I just kind of look and I'm trying to kind of compare where Michigan's at and where Nebraska can go. Title, yes, it'd be great. But I'm just saying climbing up the ladder from where Michigan was at. I mean, Sparty was beating them uh, before Harbaugh got there. I mean, they were were a mess under Hoke, uh, despite all of that rich blood talent they were they were able to get so uh, Nebraska's trajectory right now and the one thing that Harbaugh shifted with the lines of scrimmage mentality but he w- was his quarterback he also got the quarterback right uh, eventually first with McNamara to a title a guy that can manage and make some plays and then he shifted like he did in the NFL uh, shifted to get a guy uh, like McCarthy that made a lot of plays, was mobile enough, but was just a smart, talented guy and didn't have to be the guy but could make some plays. So, uh, you know, Nebraska's got a chance to, to get that quarterback right in year two and beyond here with Matt Rule. They've got a quarterback's coach. They are prioritizing lines of scrimmage when you look at some of the recruiting targets they have uh, on the offensive and defensive line. Man, it's uh, – it's something you can smile about if you're a Nebraska fan. It just has to happen on the field. But the plan seems pretty sound. 
Well, I, I do wonder, though, Chris, and I agree with you 100%. Like, I want to make that clear that it appears, although we are pretty optimistic, I think, in general, yeah, that's fair. fans, we're resilient, right? We've been through a lot. It's, it's you know, it's always this year is probably nine wins. Probably not. This looks like nine. I can, t- I can see nine. That's where I'm at. Where you talk right? myself into 10, 11, right? I mean, that's right. that's where that's where your mind can go. You look sure. at it, and despite the past decade, you say, I think they could go undefeated until October. Uh, I mean, <laughs> easily. Yeah, they might lose to Ohio State, but other than that, <laughs> schedule, everything looks winnable. I, so what I wonder about, <laughs> let's go back to, I mean, we could go back to Callahan. We could go back to Bo. We go back to Riley, go back to Frost. We were obviously missing some things. With Bo, maybe not. We weren't missing as much. I think it was just pretty obvious. It was like, Bo, stay out of your own way so you don't make your you know, your job harder on yourself than it needs to be. Like, maybe don't, maybe don't cuss out the fans. You know, you might get a little more support if you do that. Um, you know, maybe uh, get a little depth. Let's not move 260-pound Cam Meredith down to defensive tackle against Wisconsin and expect to stop anybody. They had need to get a little more depth. But, but yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. This maybe that's why you should have offered Harrison Phillips and the like. Just because he wasn't sued doesn't mean you don't offer him a scholarship. Just come on, right? Just stuff like that. That's like, just, still you know, stuck in your craw, and I love you for it. But I'm just saying, <laughs> right? Like just just don't make things harder on on yourself than than it needs to be. What I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is like, what are we missing? I, I you know right like at this point, I think we need to be a little more clear eyed. You know, with Callahan. Uh, we were probably missing his blind spot of, I don't know, it, the the way they, or, or his loyalty to Cosgrove or the culture they were creating, right? With Bo, it was, we just went over it. With Riley, it was, wow, he's not actually running this program. It's this combination of Eichhorst and, you know, Billy Devaney, and it was just a train wreck from that standpoint. With Frost, it was eh, maybe a little too much golden tea and not enough details, right? Like, we were missing some things that were pretty fundamental to what was going on. And I'm just wondering if there, if we have a blind spot, a similar blind spot for rule, because all indications that I can see really are pointing up and to the right, kind of like your business's revenue will grow. If you, if you contact us today, but, but seriously, like all indicators are saying, Things are on the right track. Things are going well. You can expect improvement. What are we missing, though? What are we missing? I, I think an important component of this conversation is we welcome Brandon Vogel in here, counterread, counterread.com, uh, is what is the, the, the expectation whenever you're talking about what is this team missing? Nine wins. Because Nine we, wins, period. That's the program. I, I, I fully believe if you set the expectation as making a bowl game, Nebraska has what they need to go and do that. Now, I believe despite the quarterback, uh, uh, the, the putrid performance of the quarterbacks last year, I think we're going to safely call it that, Nebraska still had enough pieces last year with that defense to go and at least make a bowl game last season. I think that's, that's evidenced by how close they actually were, all the, the, the one-score losses late in the season, the three different opportunities that you should have had it. Um, I think they had it last year. I think they have it moving forward. <laughs> we'll get to Ross in just a second. But if you're, if you're talking nine or if you're talking a championship game appearance, I think that conversation is a little different. I think Nebraska is missing some things. I look at the offensive line uh, in particular. I look at the running back room. Unsure with that right now. We'll have to wait and see how spring football looks like, I guess. But, but I think the conversation changes depending on what your expectations are and, and what you mean by 
what are you missing in terms of what type of season you're talking about? Russ in the comments says Michigan also cheated their balls off. Just Allegedly. FYI, everybody. Allegedly. <laughs> Not bad. Hey, um, some call it cheating. Some call it outworking, Brandon Vogel. <laughs> Brandon Vogel does join us, as, as mentioned by Elijah. Um, so, and Tuck chimes in with, I think Matt Rule asked the question, what are we missing constantly? Mm. Fair point. Brandon, if 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 we are to if we are to look at where Nebraska is at under rule and where they are going, and what we just talked about with each of the coaches that have failed to achieve, sort of well, both certainly achieved the nine win thing. <laughs> that's either here or there. But if you consider yourself a nine win program, and that's the standard, that's the minimum standard. That's sort of the baseline expectation, I think, for most fans. Round nine wins. Baseline. Could be wrong on that, but I think that's still Tom established that. Frank continued it. Bo hit there. That's, I think, how fans, right or wrong, kind of view the program. Can you think of anything, if you had to pick thing, something, that Nebraska might be missing or that we might be missing right now that could prevent Nebraska from being um, no, which, which alarms me a little bit, because if you'd asked me the same question at the stage of, of any of the recent coaches after their first season, I don't know if I would have had one. Um, the one with rule, and it's not missing something. I think it's just an unknown is, I don't know if we know what the ceiling is for uh, a rule program, because, well, after the Illinois game, he, he mentioned specifically, you know, Pat Riley and, and the innocent climb of teams as they try to get better. And and it's not that that's easy by any means. I mean, we've seen two people, the last two people at Nebraska kind of not be able to do it. Um, but it, it's a it's a different skill set than being, I guess what I'm trying to say is at the point that he got Baylor to the top of the Big 12, he chose to go to the NFL, which is his, you know, his right to do. Absolutely. At the point that he got Temple to back-to-back conference titles, he progressed up the ladder and went to went to Baylor. So I think at Nebraska, you know, it's, it's weird to look back at the, the Pelini years because I think most people would agree with you, Mark, that, that that's like – what Pelini did is kind of what everybody says they'd be happy with right now. Right. And, and the comparison we always used in the past was like, yeah, you know, maybe Nebraska is not a national title title contender the way that the way they were under Osborne debate games changed a lot since then. Um, but at that point, the, the better comparison to me, what, what Bo Pelini had Nebraska to, uh, and this might <laughs> fall on people's ears a little harshly, but uh, close coaching contemporary of his, Nebraska was kind of Kentucky at that point. Mark Stoops, Kentucky now. And it, as we look at these bigger conferences, the Power Two and the SEC and the Big Ten, is is Nebraska – if Nebraska is Kentucky, are, are people content with that? Because I think Rule will have the opportunity to jump up, you know, when things kind of align. It's just I, I don't see Nebraska consistently being a program that's going to recruit top four or five teams in a in an eighteen team Big Ten. Can they mm. can, can they develop right? That's yeah. that's where you may not get the the 
the ready-made. You may not always go get a Riola. That's kind of cool to say if you're a Nebraska yeah. fan. Although but, there is another another one waiting in the wings. Sure. So, but <laughs> you actually might. But can, can, you, can you find a guy yeah. who's a kid who ended up going to Ohio State? The kid out of Texas, defensive lineman. I'm, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Sure, but, I know but, yeah. but they were uh, in. Carlon Jones. Yeah, Carlon Jones went from good, really good, and is really good ball player out of Texas. Nebraska was first in on him, and everyone else is like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> you know, and and Nebraska twelfth hour loses him to Ohio State. That's where a keep those guys that you discover early, uh, but I think that's that's where Nebraska can be better than everybody else they can be right they can be right we know we think we know that they can develop but uh the hassan reddicks of the world that that glaring example that's ripping off double digit sack numbers for you from temple from rule no i think that's that's your your kind of differentiator for nebraska is uh, okay be able to go get some of your ready-made dudes and make sure they do well and and then get the word out and then also go find your your gems, develop, and have the best of both worlds, right? I mean, uh, that's what what worked for Saban. He got the best talent, but he also, uh, you know, a three star Alabama <laughs> was pretty damn good too. And you just kind of kind of reload and develop, and, and guys are ready when they're there. That Vogue's the way you put things there, man. Uh, with Nebraska's ceiling. That was that was awesome. And what I'd like to know is with Nebraska, okay, say Nebraska gets back to be in Nebraska where there's consistency, there's big wins at home. And as good as Nebraska's been with Osborne, with Devaney, it wasn't – it felt like it towards the end of their tenures, but Nebraska wasn't always a a great road team. They're not going on the road and beating a top five team. It just didn't happen. It's hard for teams to do that even back during their era, but can Nebraska get to the mountaintop and then can you stay right? Because we saw rule climb up to, to temple and we saw him climb up at Baylor, like you laid out and then it's on to the NFL. So can you, what, what, you know, where, where are you at? Where's your, your zip code at? in this big 10, once you kind of get out of that six and six, five and seven realm, as you make your climb, you know, where, where's your place in the big 10 right now? Cause your top four, top five, you're, you're, you're a, a playoff discussion point. Yeah. And I, and I think that's probably where Nebraska, uh, if, if things go, if things go well, that's, that's probably where it should live, where um, you're not, you know, did a thing on, just yesterday looking at the national title odds not because we're talking national title um or or anything um but just to see because it's kind of a pecking order in the big 10 and and nebraska had the eighth best odds tied with with iowa and and ucla coming in so that kind of gives you an idea where vegas uh views them right now and i and i think that's a good starting point for a year two under matt rule from there, can you progress to consistently being five six? Like that team that's five six right now, while it's Penn State is, you know. So I mean, that seems like still a pretty another big step away. But I, I do think Nebraska could get there. Um, you know, on the 
you mentioned a, a lot of good points, Schmitty, there uh, that had me thinking. Uh, the in terms, Nebraska has to be a development program, and I think the difference is with the when you have the high end talent. So even somebody like Saban, you can be a development, a good developer, and and I would say Georgia is too. Um, that's what makes them near unstoppable in 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 a real context of of today's college football. But you're going to have so when we look at the peer development programs in Iowa, a Kentucky, um, a Wisconsin, for the most part, those teams do have the kind of their their swoons. Even though they're very good at developing, it's mostly a thing of timing. Like if you have a small recruiting class or you, you get hit with a slate of injuries, you might be bringing along that next wave and they might be on pace, ahead of pace. But it still just becomes kind of a timing thing where, yeah, Kentucky bounces along at eight, nine wins, and then it drops, you know, it has a five and seven or a six and six. And we've seen the same thing happen at Iowa. And that's just the difference that I, I don't know if you can coach your way around just having a little bit more talent that can paper over some of those sure. some of those lean years. Um, so that's that's kind of I think where Nebraska's at. I think that's that's completely fair. And I think Matt Rule is is a coach that that wants to do it that way. Part of the reason I don't know if we know what his ceiling is is timing. You know, he he progressed very quickly, and that kind of precluded that. I mean, we saw Baylor had a pretty long tail after he left in terms of being pretty good, um, which which is, indicates that that team was was built to win for a, a little bit had he stayed. Um, but, you know, Nick Saban, Nick Saban lost all four games in November, his first year, 2007, Alabama. So if we want to just go that you? way, we can say we can say uh, <laughs> we can say <laughs> we can say that's where Nebraska's headed. Yeah. Well, let's say that then. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, Brandon, you you have studied attrition extensively, more, more so than anybody I've ever read, <clears throat> and uh, really landed on, I, I am paraphrasing here, you will know this better, but just to kind of get into the question a little bit, but Nebraska um, essentially suffered greater attrition numbers in terms of just keeping players on the roster that you had recruited um, at a really alarming clip. Uh, more so than most programs in the country, uh, you know, anywhere from, I, I want to say it was north of 35% if you average it out over a fair amount of time. Um, I mean, that's over a third of your players are transitioning out. And I think under Frost, it probably even got worse. And that was before the transfer portal era had really taken hold. That was before NIL. Now with those things where everybody is suffering a little bit more attrition, it seems like Matt Rule is actually stemming that tide against kind of the grain. Are, are, are you seeing it that same way where despite everything saying that your, your attrition is probably going to be worse, it, it seems like Matt's actually making it better for Nebraska right now. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. So, you know, to set kind of the baseline during the Big Ten years pre-transfer portal, Nebraska lost forty percent of its forty every 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 scholarship class. Um, wow. Like it was just that's that's what it was going to be, and you know it wasn't drastically higher. I would say so. I looked at kind of the similar Big Ten programs, and and the average there was like thirty three, thirty four. So so Nebraska was about six or seven points points higher, but you know that that adds up over 
over a period. And, and, and I think it was, you know, Nebraska has to, it has to be a national recruiter. Um, and, and I looked at all of these factors, like when did players sign? Um, how far away did they have to travel to, to, to play at Lincoln? And, you know, the farther away you get from Lincoln, those guys transfer to increased rate. It just makes sense. Like if you're yeah. from Miami, Lincoln's a lot different. It's a lot easier to get, to get homesick. Um, so I would, I would guess, and it's still so early that, you know, the, the numbers kind of haven't settled themselves out. I would guess most teams are, are going to average probably closer to 50 in, in the transfer portal mm-hmm. era. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you remove that restrictor, which, you know, in my personal opinion is, is good and probably should have been the case in college football for a long time, but that that's what it's going to be. Um, and <laughs> So far, for for Matt Rule to to do that, and I'm forgetting what is. I mean, well, it's 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 really been too early to have a meaningful attrition rate in either of his his sure. recruiting classes. Um, but just the number of guys that were on the roster when he arrived that didn't depart, I think, tells you uh, he had a pretty good message. And then we've seen it again. So we we've had two two December transfer windows with him now, where Brest was awesome, guys. Um, Lost some guys who, you know, were, were contributors. And Ernest Hausman is easily the biggest one in terms of like pure, pure talent. And that seemed just like one of those where new guys showed up and circumstances were such that Ernest had, had a lot of opportunities. What are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I think so far, and, and, and that's, you know, we talk about what's, what are we missing here in terms of, you know, potential prat balls or weaknesses, that might be something where it's just too early to tell uh, that that's a potential strength. Like if you, a team that can, can consistently uh, hold on to the players it hand selects as, as high school players, or even as transfers with multiple years uh, is it probably has a pretty big advantage going forward. Brandon, mm-hmm. to move from, from hypothetical to reality, as you look at spring football this year with attrition, there, there's going to be some attrition that's expected with what your roster number looks like right now. Where should Husker fans expect to see attrition here this spring? What areas of the field do you see that that competition factor guys are going to understand there's not going to be an easy path to the field and they're probably going to have to hit the portal if they want to get some playing time? Well, where do you see that as you, you forecast spring football right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, well, just based on numbers, I would look towards the secondary slash back seven. I mean, and, and this is part of their recruiting plan. Like they'll bring these guys in that are athletes or might be listed as wide receiver or might be listed as DB and end up playing wide receiver. They're like, well, we'll figure it out. Um, and that's that's good and that's intriguing. And I think, you know, long term, uh, when you add up profits and losses there, you can you can come out ahead, but there are going to be some losses just as you're trying to figure that all out. Um, I forget how many DBs like DBs are by far in terms of the numbers listed on the roster. They've got a ton of them. So I would expect there to be some sorting there. I would expect there to be some some departures there from from players who are maybe caught in a little bit of a middle ground of like they're not veterans who have experienced but they've been on campus a couple of years um, because they brought in, you know, a slew of, a slew of guys. The competition level is just really high there. Um, quarterback. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I would expect attrition there other than it's, you should always like put a little, yeah, you might lose a quarterback off to the side. 
Um, <clears throat> that would obviously be a big one because Nebraska only has three right now. Running back would be one, too, with a couple of guys coming off of injury in particular um, to, to see what happens there. But for the most part, I don't I don't expect a ton on offense because there's a lot of opportunity on offense mm-hmm. to make your case and, and get on the field right now. Did you guys see what Dan Lanning had told the Ryan Rosillo show? Uh, I'm sharing it right now here. <clears throat> if you're watching in the stream, don't know if you can see that. But tell me how familiar this looks, by the way. He says, I think at the end of the day, the Big Ten is going to have to prepare, to prepare for us and what we do differently in the league. What's up with these Oregon guys, That's, man? Uh, fa- famous last words there, right? <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. And then you look at – and then he went into the schedule and thinking that, oh, you know, schedules you – know, There's some winnable games there, Mark. Let I me mean, look yeah. at the schedule. They got Ohio State. They got to go to Michigan. They got to go to Wisconsin. Um, it's – yeah, wow. What are they going to learn? Um, but as, as somebody, Brandon, who studies the uh, – the sport of college football is much or more than anybody. When you look at Oregon and you look at how they translate and how they're constructed, do, do you look at them as, no, they actually might be a pretty good outlier that could withstand a Big Ten schedule? Or do you look at it more like, mm, no, you're, you're going to take some lumps because of just the unfamiliarity and the general trench warfare nature of the Big Ten? Yeah, they're they're the team that I'm probably of the of the four newcomers that I'm the least worried about the transition to the Big Ten. Um, in two seasons under Lanning, they've, I mean, he's he he spent time as a GA at Alabama. He was an assistant at at Georgia. Like they're they're kind of built like an SEC team to a degree we haven't seen at Oregon. They're really physical, and they return a ton this year. They're basically the second pick in the Big Ten right now behind Ohio State, which is kind of loaded for bear, um, even more so than Ohio State. Ohio State is every year. Um, so, well, yes, that's that's a uh, <laughs> a hair-raising echo from, from the Frost era for all of us. I, I kind of buy it a little bit from, from Lanning. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's pretty – well, he's extremely competent. He's – 18 and eight against the spread in two years at Oregon, which is a number I look at not for any betting purposes, but just because I'm like, are you exceeding expectations? Um, and he, and he has, I mean, we look at it, the team that the team that beat him twice this year, Washington was kind of more classically pac 12. Um, mm. So I think they'll, I think they'll be okay, particularly in year one uh, with this transition to the big 10. Hmm. Brendan Vogels with his counter read, counterread.com. We're talking uh, Nebraska, their trajectory, and uh, the new look Big Ten. Also, uh, something Elijah touched on going from that hy- hypothetical to reality. Vogue's going to switch off to, to some Nebraska basketball. Big four game stretch, one at a t- time for Fred and company for sure. But they're uh, off to Maryland today. Wisconsin looms Thursday. Top 10 Illinois uh, next week. And then Northwestern, who's a pain in the neck, especially in their gym. Uh, right now, Nebraska on the right side of the bubble. You look at most projections. How do you, what do you believe about this basketball team that Fred has? Um, I mean, 
they're a well constructed team. Um, they <clears throat> when they when they have a little bit of an edge, um, we we've seen them be be pretty good. And I, I wouldn't call them like a, a front running team. Well, I mean, we've just seen it in the home road split. You know, in that you get that you get that home crowd behind you, and they don't have some of the lapses and lulls that we've we've seen on the road today with those four games that you just mentioned, the start of that today is, is essential. Um, Maryland, I would view as, as pretty equivalent from a like pure ability slash power perspective as, as Nebraska, uh, you got to go to, go to their place and, and win a game because then, like you said, you've got two, two teams that are top 10 or top 12 in Ken Palm, uh, in, in Illinois and Wisconsin back to back. And then, Oh, uh, a tough road trip to, to Northwestern. Um, Nebraska's on the right side of the bubble right now. Uh, you can't come out of this stretch 0-4. And, and it's not it's not a given, I think, based on what we've seen from Nebraska so far, that, uh, I guess put it this way, I'm not penciling in any guaranteed wins out of that. Nebraska's going to have to go out and do it. Fair to say, though, Brandon, in your opinion, that in the next four, I don't think Nebraska could get bumped off of the bubble into uh, – an NIT type berth, but in the next four, they could lock up a potential NCAA tournament berth. Is that a fair statement over the next four or am I underplaying the, the impact of losing all four? I, I think if you, I think if they lost all, all four, you'd, you'd be, you'd be pretty nervous at that point. I mean, there's still plenty of season left after that. Plus, plus a conference tournament. Um, but if we look at, you know, if we check bracketology today and we checked it after a four game losing streak, I, I suspect they'd probably be on the outside. That said, um, in terms of locking it up, um, I don't know if that's totally on the table either. If you were to go, you know, three and one, you get this one against Maryland, you, you get a tough road win at Northwestern and you knock off one of Wisconsin or Illinois. Yeah, then we're then you, then we're you're moving up the list rather rather than down, which is which is fairly obvious. I don't know if it would guarantee they're in, but you add another top ten win to the to their resume, and and two others on top of that, um, and, and Nebraska's sitting in a pretty good spot. Yep, and looking at Nebraska's next four, it's uh, at Maryland today at eleven. Then you're home with Wisconsin at Illinois, then at Northwestern, and you don't see any gimmies there really. I mean at any point. Um, but if it's an 0-4, certainly possible. It's kind of over at that point, right? Don't, don't you think in terms of the bubble? If you're 2-2, two and two, you're still in the conversation, kind of feels like. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I don't know. 0-4 like, would be real tough. Um, yeah. and, and I don't think that that, that will happen. Um, Nebraska has, has shown enough to think that they'll – They'll they'll be in some of these, but you know, for the most part, I mean, minus Wisconsin and Illinois, where where both opponents will be favored by a, a decent amount. The other two are kind of coin flips in in my mind. So um, Nebraska should be able to come out of this, I think, with their their tournament hopes uh, still still alive. It's just a matter of are they are they trending trending negatively or trending positively. Bogues, I want to throw an NFL question at you before we leave. What do you believe about Belichick and the job market? I mean, I'm fascinated by some of the narrative out there, 
you know, the game has passed him by. He wants too much control. You look at it, okay, the, the, the job to get Harbaugh got. When you look at, yeah, they're aging, but there's also that young quarterback with, with Herbert, and that's, that's really a good spot. Uh, you've seen some of the hires in the coaching carousel with the NFL. And do you, do you think he's out there? And I, I was just Rex Ryan uh, throughout the fact, all right, if you're the Bills, do you go get Belichick? Do you move on from McDermott? If you're Dallas and Jerry, do you let Bill kind of sit out there and if, if it's another repeat with McCarthy, do you bring him in? I don't, you know, there's, there's thoughts that Andy Reid might hang it up after this season, whenever that season ends, could be tomorrow. Do you, do you bring Bill in because the, 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 the locker room wants the enemy back if, if Andy Reid moves on? So I'm just kind of fascinated to get your take as you look at the Belichick personality, the track record. I mean, he wants to, to go match Brady for, for Super Bowls. That said, um, he is a different guy with his track record of, you know, fifth round and beyond draft picks the last five to seven years compared to his first 15. Yeah, I think that's, that's ultimately the issue, um, you know, to take us back to development programs. Uh, that's kind of, kind of what Belichick was in the NFL, you know, with his, Ability to identify talent, um, some pretty bold strategy when it came to free agency, uh, the draft in particular, like, and the, and the, the key thing about this, and we see this at all levels of football, um, i.e. Jimbo Fisher, Jameis Winston at Florida State, when a guy has a singular quarterback, uh, if you if you do it right, you can be really, really good. Um, and in the NFL, you know, where that quarterback doesn't graduate, well, that's what we saw essentially in New England. You had a quarterback was just – it was done. You, you had one of the greatest of all time. That's great. Um, and then when you when you add the development pieces around it and, and a good football mind, I mean, Belichick is, is fanatical about the sport. Um, so it, it gets interesting when you look at one of those teams that's, that's kind of already there in like a Dallas or a Buffalo – would would Belichick be the difference or does he need more time than that? Like, it, you know, I don't know. I, I don't follow, honestly, the NFL closely enough to know, like, what players felt about Belichick in terms of coming into the locker room. Like, oh, yeah, we really wanted to play for this guy. I mean, he's very like we know his demeanor. Um, Harbaugh is that like that's kind of what I think the, the book on Harbaugh was as an NFL coach. And then with what we've seen. Well, we saw it at all of his stops. That's, he's kind of the guy. He like he comes in and he he gets people together. And the amazing thing about him is he's been able to do it at both the college and the NFL levels, um, which is which is a much different challenge. I don't know if Belichick's that guy. Um, so it, it does kind of make him an odd fit for for a, a league that where where the trend is obviously to to kind of younger head coaches, and, unless you're really well established. All right, Brandon, we'll get you out on this. Gary Sharp standing by in the green room. In two weeks, who are we going to be talking about playing in the Super Bowl? Hmm. Um, <sighs> we'll, we'll burn the tape if you're wrong. It's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't... Uh, 
other than the a like i think i think the chiefs are gonna i think the chiefs are gonna make it um mm. the, the 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 harbaugh the harbaugh narrative ends here the, the harbaugh family <laughs> narrative yeah. names here it's here nfc I, I honestly i don't have a lead um so i'll lock in one mm. tell me about counter read counter com. what goodness you're putting out each week yeah, uh, so twice weekly newsletter from my, myself and Aaron Sorensen. Um, do a couple of free things each week. A lot of the things that we we talk about on this show each week is, is kind of the the weird stuff I get up to over there. Attrition rate, national title odds, and what they can tell us about the Big Ten right now. Um, we start getting some initial power rankings, which uh, as a nerd I'm, I'm very excited about because because once we have power rankings. And we can take those. We can come up with point spreads, which we can translate to implied win probabilities. We can start setting win totals for, for any team in the country that we that we want to. And then then we'll really have some 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 stuff to talk about. Where do you think Nebraska's win total sets starts twenty twenty four? Seven. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I would say. I think, I, I think seven from the, from those national title odds. Nebraska does get to play Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana. Those are three of the lowest four. Hmm. <laughs> There's three of the seven. Okay. You, yep. UTEP's going down. That's four. You say seven. Yep. <laughs> you, you say seven. I, North, I feel like Northern always, Iowa. There's always inflated lines. Can, can we talk five. about that? There's always inflated lines for Nebraska. So you guys say seven. So seven probably means eight because Vegas knows they'll make money off of Husker fans, right? <sighs> um, I mean, I do think. I, this certainly was the case in the past. I do think Nebraska is still a quote unquote public team and that they, they know they'll get, they'll get a good handle on, on most Nebraska, most Nebraska prop bets. Um, so yeah, it just depends on, then it becomes a matter of odds. Do you want to put it at seven and, you know, have plus money on the over you want to put it at eight and have have plus money on the under um, it's a moving target. Yep. Love it. Vogue, you take care and appreciate you jumping in this morning. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There he is, Vogues from his football abode. We say hi to Gary Sharp, the iron horse. He's full mass. Good morning. This morning. Uh, Mark, of course, your business is MVP. That's Elijah Herbal. Chris Schmidt. Does does the name full mass, is that referencing rink mass, or did you just watch the Sydney Sweeney Hot Ones video? (laughs) Ooh, that's a good question. Um, And you're going to have to probably explain to most of the audience who that is. Uh, no, no, I was I was uh, fully masked after 34 <laughs> points uh, the other night at PBA. Did you notice that nothing even hit the rim with his performance? Right, like it was. Right. I it mean, was good. He, swack, he, swack. he needed. Uh, you know, he hadn't played well the previous two games, and of course the Rutgers game. Um, and you know, Ohio State didn't have an answer for him, and he hit shots. He got on a heater, and you know that that was one of the. The games where you thought, man, this might be a tension convention. It's going to be a tight game. The line was only about two and a half. That was that was easy breezy for Nebraska. Once the second half started, Ohio State said, "Nah, we're not here to fight." That was that was a pretty easy one. But you guys know how the the pendulum of Nebraska basketball goes. Today becomes like a bigger game, like the game of the year on the road at Maryland. You know, they got Jameer Young, the uh, Maryland's uh, guard sort of your classic guard i mean penetrate dish shoot creative off the dribble who guards him today lawrence put lawrence on him um williams i would say say more bryce williams because by the way williams and young played together at charlotte 
Ah, okay. So there's a little uh, back history there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, they, they'll probably do a lot of different things, but I think Williams will get the initial um, initial go at it. You know, this is a game that, man, it, you got you got excited about the other night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Now what do you do today? I mean, you know, you got this stretch of Illinois and Northwestern still on the road. You got the huge game on Thursday. I just want to see Nebraska stick to their identity. You know, sometimes they get on the road and their shooting splits are, are way different when they get on the road um, is they, they get out of their identity. They all of a sudden start to run with teams and that's not their identity. Um, so I'll be, I'll be curious to see what the tempo is like today, but I think it'll be a tight, like very physical basketball game. And they're going to need a lot of rink mass and they're going to need Casey to show up again today to get out of it, to get out of the rut he was in the other night where he got in foul trouble and then kind of, you know, maybe got in his feelings and wasn't as crisp as he was against Northwestern, they'll need a big effort out of him today. Hmm. Sharpie, we're talking some Nebraska football trajectory of, of the program, and, you know, there's excitement about uh, the direction. And, you know, you look at Nebraska, and the part of that excitement here for spring is is Dylan Riola and – you know, the, the feel that not only Nebraska has option A with him, but B, there's uh, Danny Kalen, a uh, local talent. They're bringing in a couple of quarterbacks for 25 26 this weekend for Junior Day. But, you know, I want to get to the topic your take on getting quarterback right at Nebraska. Well, Just what, what that does. And we kind of referenced it earlier last hour to Harbaugh when he got his quarterback in. Uh, it it really was it's obvious that it was it was a it was a compliment to everything else he built on the lines of scrimmage. You know, I think this is a, a deep conversation because I think when you say did they did they get the quarterback right? Well, did they get the guy that's calling plays with him yes. right? You know, they've got to have they got they got to be in tight with each other and understand each other where they'll call plays for his strengths, and that's why you know I. I I think spring is big because I think once we get through spring, we're going to have a better understanding of what Nebraska wants to do offensively because Rule has been really, really stingy on this on his entire career as he plays to the strength of his quarterback. Like he doesn't all of a sudden have this wide open offense and a quarterback that can't throw the ball more than five yards down the field. So I'll be curious to see what there, but once you get that quarterback fixed, then it becomes don't let him always wear the cape. You know, what do you do with the other 10 guys around him? And then I think another part of what you guys are talking about and what, Schmidt, you're alluding to is you can't stop. Like, you have a window to go find the next, the next Dylan Riola. And your job as the head coach is to construct the roster and to continue to better the roster. And if you happen to get a four-star quarterback in the class of 2025, have at it. Because that's your job is don't worry about numbers. Create competition. And always coach yourself and recruit yourself into options. Hmm. Gary Sharp with us on the Hill Varsity Weekend Edition. Brought to you by Cornhead Logger. Could also be brought to you by another business. You just let us know. You just let us know. Uh, Yeah, you know, trying to be. Let's talk about that. Gary, you don't happen to have a side business, do you? Because let's talk if you do. Let's talk. Well, and, and Cranac, there's an offering plate behind you. I mean, you need to come next Saturday with the offering plate, you know. No, no. no, just hold up one of those little signs, you know, like like a little piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll talk for money. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, I was going to say, hungry. Anything helps. 
Yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, that would... Dude, let me just make quick commentary on on everybody we see that, that is holding that sign up that oh, no. needs a little help. And yeah. at Whoa. times we've we've rolled our window down and handed somebody a couple of bucks. But do you do a double take when the guy is wearing Air Jordans? Just yeah. just ask in the room. <laughs> Maybe somebody handed them that out the window and they happen to be the right size. Or 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 they or they take away from the people that really need help, and that person that has the Air Jordans three hours later is at a different location, and you wonder how did he get all the way across town in that short amount of time? Yeah. All right. So (laughs) he drove in his Audi. (laughs) You know, as as we look in uh, look ahead to this year and beyond for Nebraska, Dylan Rayola's job to lose. Obviously, we know that, but let's also realize that we're talking about Nebraska is turning it over to a true freshman. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of rare for any team, let alone Nebraska game. But one, does, the guys, But it does happen in college football. It does, but it's, it's kind of ne- rare. Nebraska right? did it in frost first year. Um, yep. No, you're right. It, so, it, so it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what do you think we're in for this year with what you know about Riola, what you know about rule, what you know about the schedule, what kind of ups and downs can we expect? Is it sort of the typical true freshman type things like, ah, oh, he's going to face some things he's not used to seeing and have some horrific games. Do you think maybe his floor is just better than that based on who he is to where maybe he doesn't like, what are we in for with a true freshman can't miss five-star quarterback, maybe Nebraska's, you know, one of the higher ranked guys they've ever landed at the program. Um, a guy that is driven to be an NFL guy that's going to take people along with him. I want to see him make people better around him. Hmm. You know, I, I think he's going to be really good. Um, and I want him to struggle as a freshman. I do. Hmm. I, I want him to make sure that in March he's out in the elements, throwing in the wind, throwing in the cold, because he hasn't played in the wind or the cold like we have here when we get to October and November. So I hope they get him outside a lot, working with his wide receivers, just to get used to those conditions. So when you get to October 26th in Columbus, it doesn't hit you right in the face. I think we're going to find out that he has got an enormous amount of skill, that he plays quarterback like his dad did as an offensive lineman with that mentality. But He's going to learn along the way, and we're going to see how quickly he adapts because he's going to try and make that big boy throw where in high school you can make the throw outside the numbers and you don't have to worry about the speed of a defensive back you know, closing in because they're not as good in high school as he's going to envision you know, he's going to have here in college. So I, I hope there's a bouts of adversity because that's where we'll find out the most about Dylan is how he handles those. And it, maybe he does it. Maybe he's just this unbelievable quarterback that is the real deal – and will bless the ground that he walks on for three years. But I hope he struggles a little bit because I want to see how he adapts and how he adjusts. But there's a lot of things to like that we haven't had around here in a while. Nebraska hasn't had a quarterback that is a brand. That's what Nebraska Hmm. has. They have a quarterback that is a brand that the goal is to get him into the NFL in three years. Hmm. Hmm. And his brother waiting in the wings. Is it as simple as that's Nebraska's next quarterback? He's 26, class of 26, I believe. Um, I mean, I think there's a possibility. you got to remember that the family loves Nebraska. Mom and dad yeah. feel like, man, the Nebraska has done a lot for him. Now, they're not moving to Nebraska. They're going to stay in Buford, Georgia. So, yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll see. He's, 
He's uh, yeah, he's got to go win the job at Buford. Right? Yeah, he, I mean. he's a he's a young kid. I think Nebraska started a nice relationship, but the family is a big thing. If the family loves their experience with Dylan, then you know Dayton has got a decision to make. But whoever it is, like we were just saying, Nebraska needs to continue to recruit 25, 26, keep adding quarterbacks, and let it let it play out. Look what Ohio State did. Ohio State's got all these five stars, and they're like, hey, let's just have some competition. You know, we know we're going to lose somebody, but let's have competition to make that person better or the number one guy better. Gary, yeah. uh, we have a thought in here from Eric I want to get your thoughts on. Oh, that's the wrong one. There we go. He asks, uh, he, it's more of a statement. Need to be able to take it off of Riola's shoulders until he's ready to take it. I agree with that, but I want to get your thoughts on what that looks like to you in the season 2024. Once we get to fall, what does it look like to take Oof. it off his shoulders until he's ready to take it? I don't think you walk. I don't think you walk in and say, "Hey, Dylan, welcome to Nebraska. Hand the ball off forty-five times." Um, yeah, he ain't going to be a game man. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's a guy that'll yeah. read the field. I mean, you know, his mannerisms are like his idol, Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, he I think he scans the field. I think he throws wide receivers open. I think he's going to make guys better. You know, that's the thing. He's going to make wide receivers that we thought mm. all of a sudden they're going to look better because there's a deep ball and they're better at tracking and all of those kind of things. Um, but it's. It, it, there's a lot to like there, guys. There's enough to start with. I mean, probably walking in the door, he's more polished than we've had a quarterback in a long time. I mean, just the mechanics of being a quarterback, because he's essentially been a quarterback for a long time before he gets to college. So all of the mechanics, the footwork, the vision, the reading defenses, knowing what the other 10 guys on the field are doing, that is way ahead of a lot of freshmen that we encounter at that position at Nebraska. But also... Nebraska finally got a quarterback that is playing quarterback, not an athlete that we're going to adapt to playing quarterback. Hmm. Yeah. Sharpie, I, I want to go back to an earlier thought on, on quarterback here and that pairing that you're absolutely right about here. And uh, let's talk positive about the Raiola Glenn Thomas pairing from some of your thoughts on, on Glenn Thomas. How, how do you see that? working to Nebraska's benefit. You, you brought in, you made the investment with a quarterback coach. Nebraska uh, is going to have that dedication, which is going to be nice. And how do you see uh, each other making that position better? Well, I, I think the one thing you find out about Glenn Thomas with the Steelers is the Steelers like Glenn Thomas because he's good at working with young players. So you bring him in. And you're like, you have Kenny Pickett here, who's now in his, what, third year as a pro. And so you're like, he's good at working with young people. And I think that's a big thing um, because he's going to get somebody that is further along in his development. But there are tweaks to be made. But his, the, thing, the thing that you hear from people you talk to that have worked with him, either at Baylor with Rule and Satterfield all in the mix or at Pittsburgh, he is very much a it's not my way or the highway. We're in this together. We're going to work. And I think that'll be an interesting dynamic when it comes to setting up the, the game plan week by week. But in terms of the quarterback room, he works well with young people. He's very patient. Um, he's very hands-on. So they're going to correct things on the field instead of going to the film room to say, hey, when you guys were out there, uh, you missed on this route. Um, you didn't, your eyes got caught you know, by the defensive back. So they, they, they clean up things on the field. I think he'll be very good. I, I think he's a a person that he comes in at a time where you bring in two young quarterbacks that have to be developed still. Um, and you got a guy that is new to the situation. The bear basically is inheriting Kalen and Riola 
And he gets a chance to work with Harburg to say, okay, let's do this. Let's work on this. I think it's a good pairing at this stage when you bring in two young quarterbacks like they are. Two-part two quarterback question here. When you look at Nebraska's roster right now, as it stands, at the quarterback position, it's, it's pretty thin. It's a little scary if you think yeah. about how Nebraska has you know, traditionally done things. It's, you're, you're not, you don't get a quarterback to play all, all the games. Like you're going to need somebody to come in and, and back you up. So Nebraska's sitting with Danny Kalen, true freshman, never played. Uh, and then Heinrich Harburg, who's, you know, very, very different style of quarterback than those two. Um, all that said, do you think Nebraska adds, is able to add a, a veteran quarterback arm, more of a game manager type, you know, sort of a, oh, geez, I, I can't even think of a comp. Um, who's the kid that transferred? He started at Michigan. He was the walk-on kid. Uh, back in like 2018, he didn't start, but he played a lot. Um, oh, geez, what was his name? He transferred to like a, I think he was JUCO. He came here, he and then he went to one uh, double A school. What is his name? Is From Nebraska? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was here for a minute, and then oh, I'm gonna have to look that one up. Gonna have to look that one. I can't remember his name for now. Um, but to answer your question, Mark, I, I, don't you guys think that they'll wait until after spring? Now, yeah, it's not super comfortable having two and a half true quarterbacks and two guys that have never played college football. But they do have a couple of walk-ons that they like. I think they wait until after spring to say, okay, here's how we're going to assess the quarterback room. But it would be ideal to bring in that guy that just wants to, you know, like be the be the mentor, you know, be the older guy in the room, come in here, realize that there's a legit chance that he can compete, be the backup guy. But he's a guy that's been around college football for a while that can lead the young guys and answer their questions away from the head coach or his position coach. But we'll, we'll see after spring. We'll see how they feel about the rest of that room. That is not the three scholarship guys. I was thinking of Andrew Bunch. Do you get somebody like that who probably doesn't have any sort of you know, realistic expectation of starting. Yeah, that's um, a, that'd be an ideal type, that right? ideal type guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, and Doug came in off the bench and said, yeah, Andrew Bunch, that's who we were thinking of. What happens with Harburg this year? And before you answer that, I believe he is the type of player that I don't, I don't think you just keep him. I think he's too fast, too good with the ball in his hands, too good of an athlete, too much of a pretty, he's kind of a dialed in, you know, leader type. He's talented. Yeah, I, I think he's he's too good to just keep on the bench. What happens with him? Do you, do you see him having certain packages where he plays a flex role, where maybe he does you know some short yardage, you know, trying to? I could see him being a Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see him doing what they kind of intended for him to do last year, guys. Play a little tight end H back, and if need be, play quarterback. I mean, that's, mm. that's how the season started. We know how the season ended. I, I, I think they will find that role for him. But you're right. He, he's too good of an athlete not to find a place on the field. Right. But I will, I will tell you this, though. He will, he will give it every go in the spring to prove people wrong. Um, yeah. And we don't know with different tutelage and a year of experience what looks different. Because things will have to look different. But... I, I, we we want to put him at that H back tight end role because of his athleticism, 
I think he says, not so fast. Mm -hmm. I want to play. I hope they find a place for me, but I came here to play quarterback and I'm not done yet playing quarterback. And that's great. That's great because competition in that room is ideal, like true competition. Dylan Riola is your guy on day one, but we need people to push him so that that room as a whole gets better every single day. Again, ideal situation for a new position coach to walk into. Gary, I asked this to, uh, to, to Brandon about 30 minutes ago. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. When you talk about that competition, there's going to be some attrition needed here through spring and into the summer before you get to fall camp most likely. Where do you see that, that competition through this spring? If you're forecasting spring football, which position groups do you think has the fiercest competition? What should Husker fans be, be keeping a, a lookout for in terms of competition and potential attrition? Now, are we talking about uh, competition to kick, kick people off the Husker Island? Or competition to be a starter. <laughs> Both. So good. Well, I, I think the one thing that will happen with spring is guys will have a good understanding if they're going to play or not. You know, and essentially last year, if you didn't play last year, and, and, and if you weren't redshirted, you have to be thinking, man, am I ever going to play? Because they played a lot of guys last year, whether they wanted to or they had to. So I think they will make decisions pretty easy. Like you'll know you had every shot to show us what you had. It's just not going to work out. You can stay, but, you know, you're probably not going to play. Um, I, I think across, like, for, for battle for playing time, wide receiver is a spot. Running back is a spot. The thing about spring in 2024 for Nebraska is essentially your roster is here. You're going you're gonna to start spring football, and it's like 15 practices on top of fall practice, if you get what I'm saying, because that's your roster. It's not like they – are going to be waiting on 25 guys to show up in June. They're going to be waiting on just a handful of guys. So there'll be competition across the board. But I think on offense, man, wide receiver, running back, who is going to fit into the mix of a rotation at guard? And then defensive line. Man, there's some guys I think are going to play a lot of football this upcoming year. If you want to play, you better be on your best behavior here in winter conditioning and spring ball. I, I, I think we will be, we will be really, really enamored with spring this year because you got a veteran football team that doesn't have to do a lot of teaching, especially on defense. They just have to do a lot of playing. And we'll look at it and go, wow, they're a fine they're, – they're, they're getting there. And that just leads then into the fall of when we start talking, man, is seven wins, eight wins, what, what can they do? They'll have a better head start going into the fall. Gary Sharp with us. A few more minutes. Weekend edition of Tale Varsity. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. And uh, subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Give us a like. Tell a buddy. Uh, started the show off talking about just kind of the the uh, off season tour from Ed Foley, Garrett McGuire. Both were at, at the East Southwest game last night. Checking out <laughs> um, uh, Jackson Carpenter, and uh, it was cool to see them interact not only with the family but but just different folks in the crowd. Either that would come up to them or they would go out and, and shake hands and you know it's it's really necessary but they they totally sharpie thrive in their role oh. in omaha in fairbury in you pick a spot they are finding diners uh, they are finding uh spots to go hit they're 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 paying tribute to elijah herbal and the nacho cheese on the hot dog <laughs> disgusting uh, that's oh, what I say, but I, I've not tried it. And uh, touch on just you're locked in in Omaha, brother, yeah. and, and that is such a 
fertile area, specifically with all the the training that goes on up there with with Steve and in the Warren Academy and yeah. just how how much it's exploded. Well, on a national scene, all you have to do is look at all the major college programs that rolled through Omaha this past week: USC, Stanford, Michigan, Notre Dame. I mean, you go on and on and on. The talent in Omaha and the rest of the state is drawing a lot of people. Um, but wouldn't you guys like to? When you guys like to just trade spots right now this morning with Ed Foley, like Mark or Elijah, you go, you know what? I'll be Ed Foley. Ed Foley can come on, you know, six days out of the week and do radio because Ed Foley, you do might, <laughs> Ed Foley might have one of the best jobs in Nebraska football. He is, you know, there's only two coaches that speak to the, the entire team every day. That's the head coach and the special teams guy. So there's a lot of power there in the special teams world. And I know, I know people have been saying, hey, you guys talk about additions this year. What are they going to do at punter? That's probably closer to spring. Um, <laughs> but then you're Ed Foley, so you get to address the team uh, every day. You work with more guys than any of the other position coaches. You get to tour the state of Nebraska, eating at all the three-star diners. You get to tweet out pictures. You have this lovable personality. You love to talk to people. Everybody likes you. But you don't have the pressure of when Nebraska has to close on an in-state guy, you're not the guy. They take White, they take Brule, they take Satterfield, they take whoever. They go and close the deal, and you're like, hey, man, I just, I just put out the breadcrumbs. I got a great life. I think Ed Foley has a great job at Nebraska. I mean, really, the only pressure is whenever you go up by two scores in a football game, you have to ask yourself <laughs> whether or not you're going to kick it onside. That's, that's, about, the, that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, in, in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Irish law. You have to do it. <laughs> I mean, there, there, you know what? There's a, it's, it's just a nice little cycle here where there's a lot of talent in the state. And, and I think what this staff has done, and they're, even, even with some changes in the recruiting office, they are really well organized. Um, the schedule of where the coaches are going, they don't have to worry about it. They know what's going to be in their inbox. They know where they're going. There's no, like, surprises if Philip Simpson is in Florida and the car is not there or, you know, whatever. So they do a really good job of organizing all of that. And I think in-state that's important because when you're organized, you see guys earlier. And that's the big thing in, with Nebraska kids, and I found out with Omaha kids, they like to be recognized early, not Johnny-come-lately. And make an evaluation, start a relationship. Maybe it results in a scholarship. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I end up there. Maybe I don't. But I think the fact that Nebraska is ahead of the game and evaluating prospects and listening to people around the state that know football, that they trust, that say, hey, you got to go check out this wide receiver at Platteview. He's about to blow up. Nebraska gets in there early, and look what happens next. Platteview, which has sent two football players to Nebraska since 1990, all of a sudden you have all these major colleges are there. So they're very organized, and so that helps when Ed Foley can tour the state. He knows where he's going to eat. He knows what school he's going to, and we're all like, Oh, that's Ed. We like Ed. Every staff needs an Ed Foley. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's look into um, oh, a, a couple of questions that we have for next year's roster. So outside of Riola, give me one offensive player, one defensive player, incoming freshman. So from the recruiting class, one offensive, mm-hmm. one defensive player outside Riola that figures into the mix immediately is an and is an impact player. And in the rotation by the end of the year, by the end of the year, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying day one, but by the end of the year, who figures into the mix out of the recruiting class? I got a couple and I just curious what you think. Um, Ja'Cory Barney is a huge get for Nebraska. Okay. 
wide um, receiver. Yes. And, also, and in what way? What's the, what's his style? What what do you like about him? He's gonna be a little slot guy, yep. but he's got speed to burn. I mean, they, they have a their track team that they assembled. They assembled a track team a year before they had a track to run on, and somebody to to shoot the uh, starter's gun. Mm-hmm. Now they have a track to run on, and they got Raiola standing there shooting the starter's gun. So they're in a good spot. I like Barney a lot. He's going to be in my super six. A guy not to, to overlook, and I, I, if you're saying end of the year, maybe in the mix, Keelan Smith, Neil hmm. Smith's son. Hmm. Boy, there's a lot to like about him with his size. Um, but can I give you two on offense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it might be a little bit tougher for him because they got 22 scholarship offensive linemen. But look out for Gibson Pyle. I think Gibson Pyle will work his way through the offensive line depth chart where we're going to see him in late October and November possibly having some snaps. Maybe not starting, but having some snaps. Um, on defense – Is he interior or outside? He, uh, he is an interior guy. No, uh, no, he's an outside guy. Outside guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's 6'4", 275. Okay. Klein, Texas. Yep, um, him up. Okay. And, and so because Brixis gets a lot of attention in the recruiting class, Pyle had a great, great senior year, and he's got great film if everything that you're looking for. Um, on defense, uh, if they get Will Height, he would be the guy. If they get Keona Will Height. Hmm. What about Buford? What little Buford? Uh, he's going to be a player. But you remember, there's man, they're stacked in that room. Yeah. What do, you, so, what do you mean about get Will Height? Can you can you tell me more about that? I'm not sure what you're talking about. If he there. commits to Nebraska, he's, he's the he's the four star yeah. that was going to Washington. Okay, and he's yeah. and he's still out there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I hey and 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 it was kind of interesting who Nebraska sent for his home visit. It was Tony White. So the coordinators don't recruit a lot. Um, sometimes they walk in and they're the hammer. But they're not, they're not everywhere all over the country. So it's kind of special when they go to recruit. I have a guy like Tony White show up in my house to say, hey, this is where we see you as a pass rushing guy. You were really good in high school. You can be a fit here. I know you liked your official visit. I know you got Michigan State breathing down your neck. You know what? Nebraska's the place for you. But I think it's twofold. White goes in as the guy that, hey, if you're playing for us, I'm coordinating that defense, and I can explain the jack and the will of what you might play but also, Tony White's going to be a head coach someday. That's great experience as a guy to go in and close the deal because coordinators aren't really expected to do that, and White doesn't do an abundance of recruiting. He does recruit, but not you know, over the, like the other position coaches. It's like, hey, here's something you're going to have to get used to when you're a head coach is go into a big-time recruit that you want, that you want to win a battle, and that's you know, uh, White going in to visit Will Height. So we'll see. I have no read on what he's going to do. Um, I think he's kind of kept it close to the vest, but Nebraska can't have enough pass rushers. I don't care if they've already got some on the roster. They need to start assembling and just building a deep pool and then add Christian Jones from Westside in the class of 25. Yeah, I think uh, one other question I have about is uh, for Nebraska next year, they're loaded at this position um, at defensive back, right, between safety and corner. I think you can take to the bank and you lose Quentin Newsom. So you can take to the bank Gifford. I think you could take to the bank Hartzog. You could probably take um, Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill. Singleton. And then and Singleton. And, and Singleton. Who's and I'll that give fifth? You, and I'll give you two other guys. Um, I, I, I think Bly Hill is going to find a way on the field. And then Dwight Boodle. So, and there's also Buford, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, maybe maybe not a lot to be concerned about. Do you think I, I would like to see them move Hartzog to one of the safety spots? I think that's more of his natural position with the way he hits. He's physical. With, he tackles yeah, and, well. and with the way he, I, I, don't, I, I just don't know if he could stick with top end wide receivers consistently. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't care where he plays. He has to be better in crunch time. Mm. Consistently better because he has all the makings of being a top level defensive back, whether it be a cornerback, safety. But there were times in crunch time this year he didn't make plays. He was just too up and down. So he's better than that. Yep. Get, and and by the way, for an incoming guy, give me Larry Tarver Jr. I believe is his name. The kid out of Miami, one of the late additions to Nebraska's 2024 class because he's a 10 600 guy because he screams off the edge um it just the the one thing i would i really appreciate about tony white and matt rule is like if you have a skill set that's ready to go they'll they'll bring in i mean who is that who is that uh defensive end that came out of nowhere james williams or something like that like some guy that was like a walk-on that no one ever heard of and then he's getting sacks and big 10 play out of nowhere um I could see Tarver Jr. figuring figuring into the mix in in some capacity this year. One more, they name, like uh, they like Rex Guthrie a lot from Littleton, Colorado. One more name, Fred. I don't want to get mm-hmm. swept in the rug. Ethan Nation. I think Ethan Nation's yeah, a dude. Yeah. He, he needed a little seasoning. I think he can he can work his way into some playing time this year. Mm-hmm. Sharpie, gonna wind it down and get your take. What do you believe Allegedly. about your Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid with the matchup tomorrow? And uh, the the future of Casey unbiased, of they, course. Yeah, if they win tomorrow, there will be a thing. Never bet against Mahomes in the playoffs. Um, I think it'd be tough tomorrow. Uh, you know, now that now they're kind of playing a little house money. Uh, Tooney not being there hurts a little bit because he's going to have to see a lot of different fronts, and and they'll pick on him early. Um, I don't know. Andy Reid and Mahomes together, you don't want to bet against them. But boy, Lamar Jackson, Todd Monken are all on the same page, and Baltimore's scary. That offense is scary, what Jackson does in the play-action game. And Kansas City hasn't been great in play-action defense. And then Baltimore's defense is ferocious. It's not like the Ray Lewis uh, time when they won the Super Bowl. But, man, they gang tackle. So, like, Pacheco's going to have to be good. There's going to have to be a lot of things going to Kansas City's way. But I never doubt KC with Mahomes. I think it's close. But I think the Ravens are just a better up-and-down team. But, man... I'm ready for it. If Kansas City wins that game, I'm ready for everybody to just be upset at America's team. Love that. But how about hey, could we could we start the year and finish the year with the same game? Lions Chiefs. Detroit, yeah. Wait, yeah. Did, did, wait, really fast. Did you just call the Chiefs America's team? Yes. Okay, we'll they, move on from that. They've got they've got Jason Kelsey shirtless. They've got Taylor Swift. They got 50 million people are watching them. They are winning championships. They become a villain. How are they not America's team? Did you see the uh, the thing that's going on, on social media that 46 of the 50 states were rooting for the Ravens in this one? Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I like it. That's they, America. They, they, that's a lot of America. Is, yeah, is I think Elijah's yeah, point. We're 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 divided. I mean. You know, (laughs) the Cowboys are America's team and everyone loves. No, they're not. The the Chiefs are the new America's team. It's okay to say that out loud. No, you could say that about the Cowboys. And it was not a term of affection. If anyone is America's team right now, it's the Lions. Yeah, well, they're lovable. So I want them to, to, you know, make the Super Bowl. By by the way, is Pacheco is he is he up for contract? Is he a free agent nope. um, coming up? Is he no. locked up? 
Hey, you guys want to be have a, a kick in the gut when it comes to Nebraska running backs where we used to be I back you. Rutgers will have two running backs playing in this game. Edwards and Pacheco. Oh, jeez. Now Pacheco's right. only and, and they didn't and they didn't light up the Big 10, but no. they were they were they were good, they were serviceable. No. Yeah. I, I don't like the Chiefs. I, I don't I don't dislike them either. I'm just sort of ambivalent about the NFL. I just like to watch it, right? Don't really have a team. Pacheco is my favorite NFL Thank running you, back. And like, he's my favorite. Yeah, exactly. I just wear the NFL hat. You know, go sports. Uh, but <laughs> Pacheco is my favorite NFL running back in like five, ten years. That dude is – there's nobody on the planet that runs as hard as him. It's crazy. It is absolutely ridiculous. And he's starting to rub off. He's starting to rub off yeah. on, the, on, the, on the running backs behind him. I mean, wow. What an yeah, he, impressive guy. Hey, he, he runs like the treadmill is going too fast. Yeah, he really does. It's it's something. And, and by one, the way, one thing he, about he had a house call against Nebraska uh, on a kick return a few years ago. And, and one thing about did. Pacheco, they did a uh, uh, BTN did a, a story on him. Really, really just incredible story where uh, back in high school, um, both of his siblings, his sister and his brother, were, were both killed while he was in high school. And he kind of plays for them. It's a, it's a really incredible story. I encourage you to wow. check it out. That's one thing I'll say. Not a Chiefs guy, but that – Hearing that story a little earlier this year, maybe root for, for Pacheco. BTN did a story on it back whenever he was playing at Rutgers, just about the uh, the, the motivation that he has playing on the field, playing for his sister and his brother who were both killed. So, really incredible story. Well, it it, it actually makes sense because he looks like he's playing. I mean, he's not just playing the, the position. Yeah, You're just he, sort of like, what, he runs what with is some anger. Yeah, like yeah. what is running this guy? Hey, so we're down to, we're down to one. Uh, Randy Gregory is the lone hope for uh, a Husker to be in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Now I say it's actually two of my favorite like Pacheco and then Debo. Come on now. Yeah, Debo's awesome. Yeah, they need they need they need him tomorrow to be yeah. healthy. And then McCaffrey on the same. San Francisco's loaded too. My goodness, it's a good group. This is a good Final Four. This is a really good Final Four. The NFL has got really so. good. Okay. The NFL is too big to fail. It gives us, it delivers, and tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be a pain in the butt if the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl because y'all are going to hate it. it. Y'all going to hate I'm it. I'm not going to join that Saturday morning show. <laughs> if it, well, of the most unlikely year for Kansas City to make a run as a three seed and win twice on the road, and then they do it with an opposite identity of what they've done in the past. They're known for their defense this year. I mean, he's only 28, guys. Hey, let's uh, real quick. We we were gonna get you out of there on this, but you know how this thing rolls. I mean, Charby's gonna have internet point. problems in three, two, <laughs> one. But Nebraska baseball holds its press conference yesterday. They yeah. started practice. Started practice. Like, look three weeks. Uh, three weeks from now, we'll be talking about the first game. That is unbeavable. So that is happening. Nebraska baseball is back. Drew Christo is one of the two guys that they trot out. Drew Christo of Elkhorn fame. Was he going to go pro or was he going to go to Nebraska? I mean, he was that level of talent. He's 6'5". He's 230. He is literally built like Roger Clemens. Not saying he is Roger Clemens. He's literally built like him, though. Uh, and they and they trot him out as one of the two guys. And you wouldn't say that his past performance would justify that. But now he's working with a Rob Childress, who is known for kind of keeping it simple and kind of being a pitcher whisperer of sorts. What do we expect out of Drew Christo under Childress? And is the fact that they trotted him out as one of the two players telling for what we can expect for him this year? I think that's a good read. Uh, So, Rob, you must throw strikes to pitch for Rob. If you don't throw strikes, you're not pitching. 
you're sitting next to him in the dugout. So, you know, and, and, and Drew is Drew gave you the glimpses more last year than he did as a freshman that what he threw at Elkhorn fastball, his array of pitches is overpowering. He can do that, but he had trouble finding the strike zone. Now he's finally got a pitching coach that I think is going to, you know, has worked really in depth with him and studied him and now can be more on hand. You know, Rob's watched him from afar for the last couple of years. Now he's right there with him. I think you're going to see a jump with Drew, but all those pitchers, they don't throw strikes. They don't throw strikes early in the count. Then you're not a friend of Rob Childress. And, mm-hmm. and, and I also think, you know, I think there's a, what I've heard is from the fall is there's a little bit more break on the curveball. So yeah. just a little extra tutelage, I think, will benefit Drew Christo. But that's a good read that they would roll out a guy that pitched, what, 16 innings last year? Yeah. You know, yeah. wasn't yeah. yeah, started one game, only pitched, I think, 11 games. And he was so and, – and, God, when he came in, he had so much, like, nervous energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah. he, he, he did not look like a calm, composed dude on the mound. Like, he looked like he had – his heart rate was, like, at 180. And he's just like, dude, yeah, Drew, he got, settle you know, down, man. You know, he was dominant in high school. I watched him pitch yeah. a lot. You know, I mean, his, dad, his dad's an athlete. So, there's great DNA. And, and Drew is multi-sport guy. He shows oh, yeah. up in Nebraska. That fall ball before his freshman year, I mean, he got lit up like a monkey. They were doing the red-white, and guys were hitting balls off of Pinnacle Bank Arena. And all of a sudden, he's on the mound going, whoa. It was a slow adjustment. I, I, I think we saw times last year where he adjusted. But Nebraska has to have all hands on deck. I mean, I, I don't think there's a superstar on this team, but I think they've assembled a roster that complements each other pretty well. Is it going to be that scrappy bunch? I mean, you know that's how Will played. You know, Will, Will Bolt prefers that style. Last year, I think you, you, you at the top of your lineup, you had, um, you know, obviously you had two first, second round draft picks. Got, you guys are just super talented hitters. Do you think they're going to go a little bit more small ball, a little more scrappy, a little more kind of the way Bolt wants to play? He's, he's, not, he, he's cl- clean off of that uh, Van Horn tree. It didn't seem like they could play like that since he's been here. No, and, and, I, and I think, you know, you look at him – this upcoming year, they'll probably have more. They'll probably have more of the Will Bolt identity because they were they had a lot of spots that were open in the fall, so they still have some spots open. So I think the competitiveness um, will benefit this team as well. But I, I think this is where this team will be get themselves to the NCAA tournament. Is they have a deep pitching staff. Now they're going to have to figure out who's going to be at the top of that pitching staff on the Fridays, the Saturdays, and what you do on Sunday. But I like their array of arms. Again, I, the roster construction. When Mike Sirianni joined the program, they said, okay, we got to act quickly here to fill some holes on the 24. They did, and they brought some pieces in of guys that have thrown, you know, have thrown a lot of college baseball. But they're gonna, they're, they, they've recruited themselves and constructed the roster into options. Now they got to go out and prove it. And I think Rob has taken it upon himself is, you know what, that's my, jo- that's my, uh, my chore this year is to get guys to throw strikes and to develop a fourth and fifth starter if need be. We welcome yep. Gertie the German Shepherd to the show. Uh, oh. <laughs> made an appearance. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> but the weather the weather's warming up. We can all go golfing on Groundhog's Day. It's going to be 60 Let's degrees. Let's do it. Sharpie, wow. where do you want to go, man? Milts. Hey. Is that still a thing? Hey, well, well, Thursday will be a big day. We'll golf, and then we'll go watch Nebraska-Wisconsin basketball. Done. Is Milts still open? Yes, it is. Oh, despite perfect. but despite all the attempts to buy the land, which is across the street from the new casino in Omaha, yeah. they have hung in there. 
Schmidt, Elijah, okay. you guys know about Milts? No, tell me. Little par three where they just basically have like probably one or two dudes mowing it occasionally. That's <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much. It's a it dry. It's they got a driving range there as well. It's across the street from old uh, from Horseman's Park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Worst Done. best golf course in America. Oh, it's cheap. It's awesome. The guy that runs the shack is is great. Yeah. 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 Milts. Well, Done. It's probably like four bucks or something. To, and it's in it. a prime prime real estate spot, and they won't Milts. sell. God Milts. bless I'd be, I'd be surprised if they have a website. I'm going to look it up. Sharpie <laughs> uh, will let you get out, really brother. Fast, it's so, fun to – Did you guys see to, Landman Golf Club started making the rounds uh, like nationally, and it, it, they already sold out their tee times for 2024? You can, talk, you can talk to Schmitty. He'll get you on there. He knows people. That would be nice. We are shopping since uh, allegedly juniors retired from baseball to be able to golf now this summer. <laughs> nine, to take... uh, nine holes is 12 bucks. Oh, that's, that's Boom. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Second nine for six. I mean, why you not? You can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sharpie, we'll get, uh, we'll get the clubs dusted off. Cranach will get you acclimated. Elijah will keep the Red Bull and vodkas going. So the, uh, the, the putting works. And enjoy Caitlin Clark, who always tries to hang 50 on Nebraska. Yes. Yeah. But here in a little bit, huge game for Nebraska basketball. Yes. Taking the points. Mm, I I bow out of this because I have no idea which Nebraska team shows up on the road. You and me. (laughs) That's just that's that's life. It is right now. But it's tough to win on the road across all the college basketball. But Nebraska has to find. One or two of those along the way. And especially today, because Maryland's win the other night, they've gone into a quad three. So it would be. They won in Illinois, too, not long ago. Yeah, they're a good team. Um, This is, if Nebraska is who we think they are, shouldn't they go in there and this game comes down to the final few possessions? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they can't unravel, that's for sure. And they can't go up and unravel. Like if they've shown. Half of their road wins, they've been up, and the other half, they've battled back to take a lead and not maintained it. So can they kind of take that mentality from PBA, playmaking, decision-making, with them to the nation's capital? Yep. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but then the game on uh, Thursday against Wisconsin is huge. Because yep. Wisconsin is, man, Greg Gard might be in the running for National Coach of the Year, what they've done. They're a two seed. They can knock on that one seed door. Well, and you also have to remember, you lost to them earlier in the year. Remember the last time Chucky Hepburn was at PBA? Nebraska rallied, Chucky got booed, and Nebraska won. Big comeback. Yep. Well, Gary, we'll let you get back to your fifth rewatch of the Sydney Sweeney Hot One, so enjoy that. <laughs> I'm Lay this out. Right I, I saw, I saw a, a reel, or I should say I saw a posting by our friends at the Redcast. Tell me, what? Do I need to watch this later? Do you not know Sydney Sweeney? His name's a little bit familiar. She's I get... a, a couple of big shows. Then she had the uh, the Anyone But You rom-com just come out. Anyway, she's in Hot Ones where they eat the, the hot wings with even hot yeah, yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's solid. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good thing that Google works at Cranick's house. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, guys. Sharpie's like, out. <laughs> All right, uh, find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity, YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter, at HVarsity Radio, uh, follow along 
at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio and Mark Cranach. Check out his LinkedIn. I guess you're on that. I, you know, sure. email. Mark, yeah. Email Mark, to we, be your business's MVP. Can, are we? Yeah, let's LinkedIn, just talk Mark? about. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, I think we are, Elijah. I think we are. I, think, I, was, I was impressed the fact that you had a profile. Oh, I have a couple of invites. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, we should put up Dion's last comment. This is perfect. It's a great way to close. Thanks, great way guys. to close. Rick. No, 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 no. Dion, Dion, up a little bit. Um, you see that one? Can you can you put it up there? I don't know how to put it up there. Oh, Mark Cranach, five hundred plus connections on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm telling you, your business is MVP. Look, seriously, look at it. The Dion's last comment. I think we should end on that note. If Craig takes his bike back from Devo, that's my bike. Punk. Then we'll, you know, I wouldn't trip. <laughs> he said he wanted me to get my bike back. That's a Friday reference. Uh, yep, Mister Elijah. My grandma is- gave me that chain. <laughs> yeah it's really good yeah all right good we'll be Craig. back uh next time and uh talk to you monday at four and next weekend we'll uh lock in guys take care thanks again all right y'all